Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. I got a question. When, uh, when you're... If I was if I was going to become a boxer, right? Why would why would you uh, you have a nickname or choose a nickname as the Cobra? Because I'm just not sure. There's many other nicknames out there, and why would you pick the Cobra? A, de- a deadly snake? Why would, yeah, yeah. An, un- you're, you're, an amphibious reptile. A deadly striking snake. Yeah. Yeah. Why would you? I mean. No. Why, why, what would yours you? be? What would your yours name, be, Jamie? You, 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 you named your you named your bo- your boxing nickname was after a beer that you get in in an in an no, Indian There was a guy. There was a boxer called Don Curry. Don the Cobra Curry. He was a great fighter. And Rob McCracken's a bit of his story. My my coach and Carl the Cobra has a bit of a ring to it. Carl the yeah. Cobra Frog. It's like Ricky the Hitman Hatton. Like like yeah. Jamie the Wet Lettuce Lang. Yeah. You know, it, it works. It flows. <laughs> Yeah, it's true. Wet uh, lettuce is a good one for you, Jamie. <laughs> no, soggy yeah, lettuce. Yeah. What, because I'm slippery. I'm slippery and you can't get near me. That's what it would be. I, 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 I would just be slippery. Mine would just, no, mine would be Jamie the... No, it wouldn't be wet lettuce. It would be Jamie the the the, 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 the anaconda. That's what I would be. I'd be the anaconda. <laughs> I'd be the anaconda. That's what I'd be. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to part two of Private Parts. Still here with Carl Froch. Um, so, God, listen. Also, can I? You grew up. Did you grow up in Nottingham being a boxer, or did you? Did you kind of do that? Was your family into boxing and things like that? I grew up in Nottingham. I was born and raised in Nottingham. Um, I spent most of my life in Nottingham, and yes, it was my my dad who who used to box. Um, he had a few amateur fights. He got me into boxing. He took me down the club. He used to box at Morton or Borstall, actually, and Lincoln Prison. My really? dad, when when I was when I was a kid, because they've got Nottingham's got quite a big um, catch wrestling uh, culture, right? The history of catch wrestling. Right? Is, it, is, it, is there a lot of what boxing? The hell's catch wrestling. I've never heard of it's that. It's like it's like wrestling, right? But like submission wrestling. <laughs> yeah. Catch no, but but is, is boxing dodgy. quite a big you thing in, in Nottingham, or is it? You broke you broke my flow on boxing. Oh, where it sorry. All began on on some catch wrestling nonsense, <laughs> and, now, hey. and now I've totally broke it. Carl's we, Carl's about, we're starting a Carl's about to do his tearjerker. <laughs> oh, I grew up in Nottingham. No, no, sorry, I do apologise. This was his sob story that was about to start. Okay, Jeff go again. James. 
No, no, Nottingham's a nice place to grow up in. I enjoyed it. But no, to answer your question, yeah, I, I grew up in Nottingham and I, I boxed in my local amateur boxing club, the Phoenix ABC, which my oh. dad took me to when I was about eight years old with my older brother, Lee. But wait, hey, but did you, so you then got into the ring and you started fighting and you started boxing and things like that. But then what mm-hmm. age do you suddenly go, okay, I'm going to turn this into profession? Because you wanted to be a footballer, right? You wanted to go and play for Nottingham Forest, wasn't it? Who told you that? I'm absolutely useless at football. I've, I've got two I, left feet. I heard you wanted to be a footballer. That's what I heard. But no, yeah, no, no. no he, he just assumed to... that. So you know, no. he... I, I, I thought you wanted to be a footballer, but no. you didn't. But then, what was no. the point where you suddenly went, "Okay, I want to become a professional boxer"? Um, when I won a medal in the World Championships in 2001, I'd never had any aspirations or any ambition of turning professional. Um, I boxed amateur because I enjoyed it. And I got back into it when I was 19 years old. I stopped boxing amateur when I was 15, when my mum got a pub in Newark, just outside of Nottingham. So I was in the pub playing pool and darts and poker and out on the beer garden playing around with skittles. And I was enjoying being in the pub. I didn't want to go to the boxing club. Um, I missed my old boxing club. So I, I didn't box for four years. Um, mm. And when I moved back to Nottingham to start studying at Clarendon College, I then got back into boxing, went down to my old amateur boxing club. And just started. And I, the reason I went there is to start to try and get my fitness back. I was so unfit, driving my car at 17 years old. I was on a motorbike at 16, then my car at 17. And you don't do much walking or training when you're driving around. Um, and I got back into the gym at 19, and I was still pretty good at boxing because I boxed since I was a kid. And um, Did you it, was fu- a na- it was a natural progression. Boxing for boxing for my club, boxing for the national title. I won the national title twice. I got picked to box for England. Boxed all over Europe, all over the world. And um, my, my career high as an amateur was a medal in the World Championships. I bronzed. I lost to a Russian in the semi-final in 2001 in Belfast. And then I met my coach, Rob McCracken, who said, I think you should turn pro. I think you'll be really good. And I was like, no, I don't fancy that. And I was looking at like Chris Eubank and Nigel Ben, thinking, I can't fight them. Look how strong they are and how big they are and how hard they punch. I just didn't fancy it. I really didn't. How did you find coming back after that four-year break? Was it difficult, or you know, did you find it all of that muscle memory was just there, and you, you yeah, fell, fell still, back into I, it? I was still really good at sparring. I was sparring some of the, the best lads in the gym at the time, and I was holding my own, jabbing and moving, and landing shots. So my coach down there, Dale McPhilbin, who now coaches the England squad, he said, "I want to put you in the championships, the ABAs," and I didn't know what they were, the Amateur Boxing Association National Championships. So I just went in there and got to the final and I was still very unfit. I was still kind of drinking a little. I've never been a big drinker, but I used to drink a bit of Guinness and go out with my mates and I grew up in pubs. So, you know, I wasn't that fit. And I got to the final and did really well. I lost to a guy called Chris Bessie in the final. So a year later, I took it really serious, went up to middleweight from light middle and won the ABAs. Then I got picked a box for England. So I was winning medals. I was traveling around. And like I say, my career high as an amateur was a bronze medal in the Worlds. And on the back of that, I turned professional with my coach, Rob McCracken. And what's your, what's your walk-around weight? When I was boxing, I used to walk around at about 13 stone, and I boxed at 12 stone for my whole career. Super Fucking middleweight. Fucking hell. Wow, so you really cut down, you cut down a stone. That's not a big cut down, though. 13 was the highest. I mean, someone in the same weight division as me. I mean, Ricky Hatton, for example, he boxed at 10 stone 7, so he was a welterweight. He used to walk around at about 13 stone. Wow. <laughs> he, to, he walked around at my weight. But, Carl, but this is the thing, what I find interesting is, is like, you, you've said this to me before, that it's, boxing is mentality, it's just the mental strength that you have to have. Yeah, you it's have a massive to... part, you have to have a 
you have to be tough mentally. I mean, I was very nervous as an amateur and as a professional. I used to let the nerves get the better of me as an amateur. And sometimes if I lost on points, it was just because I was nervous to throw my punches and I didn't want to lose. So I'd, I'd, I'd move backwards and jab and keep out of the way and try and just win on points rather than stand and have a fight. When I turned professional under Robert McCracken, he got my head sorted. So I started to believe in myself and I could punch very hard. So I used to stand and have a fight. And um, as soon as I stood my ground and had a tear up, then that's when I realised I could I could do something in this game and um, win some I feel, titles. I feel like, mate, for you is that you 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 like the scrap. You like to go like, all right. Oh, I love gonna... a good old fashioned passionate ass whooping. I love a good scrap. I do. I'd have a tear up on the cobbles any day of the week. <laughs> Would you? Yeah. So, as a kid growing up in the pubs and things like that, did it ever used to kick off and then used Listen, to have loads, loads? I grew up in pubs from the age of fifteen, and we had a couple of pubs in and around Nottingham. Now, yeah. I play poker now for a, for a company called Party Poker. Um, I, I'd whip your ass at poker. By I the way. also no, no chance. I would. I, would I also, I also made a made a career and a living out of boxing, and um, I also, I love, I love snooker and and um, and pool. I play snooker and pool. So I learned, I learned to play pool in the pubs. I learned to play poker in the pubs when we had poker nights, and I also did a lot of fighting in pubs. So that's where I kind yeah, of learned yeah. what I do now. It's amazing when I look back how I've now evolved into this this person that, that plays poker, fights, and um, has the odd game of, friendly game of pool and snooker. Yeah, but th- that's so interesting because in, in the pubs, right, so these, these fights used to kick off and you would, you would, you would just hold your... That's the sort of mentality there. You're like, right, if, if a fight starts to happen, I'm in it. Here we go. I'm yeah, gonna... it used to be quite rough growing up in pubs. People have a drink yeah. and, and other things and, you know, it gets to get a bit over-intoxicated and get loud and mouthy and come 10 to 11 or whatever time it was, you ring the bell for last orders and... No more drinks can people come up to the bar they want serving again. It's like we can't serve you anymore. We'll lose our license. You know, the police will be coming around. You've got to leave. And yeah. they don't want to leave. And before you know it, somebody's mouthing off. And I'm there with my older brother and, and what about know, what about everywhere. Go on. With your brother Lee, did you guys have a, uh, the odd scrap now and again? Well Lee used to always beat me up. My big brother used to used to beat me up regular on a regular basis. I've got two brothers. My older brother Lee is two years older than me, and my younger brother Wayne. So my brother, my older brother's quite hard. He fights now, like unlicensed. He's still boxing at 44 years old, which is oh, wow. crazy. Um, I was like really tough because the beatings I took off him. My younger brother Wayne, he just used to get battered constantly, but he never <laughs> he never took up boxing. So he's actually the hardest. He's the hardest out of all three of us. Really? Uh, but I'm I'm the middle one. I did something with it because I went down. I stuck with it. I went down to the boxing club. I loved it. When I got back into it, I loved the discipline. And I enjoyed the training. It's like anything. If you if you enjoy it, you'll probably do well at it. But mm. you've got to have that application and that that dedication and and discipline, which is what I've always had. I've always been quite regimental and very sort of. Um, I'm well, a bit driven. of a perfectionist. I'm a bit yeah, of a you're driven, though. and and you have that competitive edge. And you, if you if you get something ahead, you know, like you spoke to me about your tennis. You started picking mm. up playing tennis. You now yeah, want exactly. to. You, you'll be the yeah. best at tennis. You're yeah, well, my new one. My new one's now golf. I'm, I'm on my younger son. My my sorry, my my only son, Rocco. Um, he's only nine years old. My two daughters, they mess around with it. But me and Rocco play golf quite regular. He's, he has lessons. He's actually better than me, but we won't talk about that. Has, has there ever been a point, has there ever been a point, and you'd be honest, because you have to be honest, um, that inside the ring or outside the ring that you've been scared? Because you were always known for this guy who, you know, you would hold your ground, you would fight, you'd always go for it. Has there ever been a point where you're like, oh shit, this is, this is a bit scary? Mate, listen, every time I boxed, I was nervous. As an amateur, I used to let the nerves get the better of me, and I let that fear and that scared you talk about get into my head too much, and it make me make me shy away and jab and move and run and hold and just want the fight to be over and want the bell to ring, I want to go home. 
um, when I turned professional, I, used, I, I learned to harness the nerves and harness the fear. Mm. Um, and, and manage and, the um, adrenaline. Yeah, exactly. Manage the adrenaline. Make fear my friend. And um, mm. realize that when I'm scared and when my heart's beating and my stomach's fluttering, that I'm now sharper and stronger and faster. Yeah. And I can take a punch. I can take a punch better because I'm full of adrenaline. And when you feel that natural euphoria inside your body running through your veins on the ring walk to fight to a battle, then yeah. for me, I mean, it makes my hair stand up on my arms and my neck now thinking about it. And I miss it. I do miss it. I miss the ring walk. I miss the heat of the battle. Um, but I'm realistic. And, you know, I've had my time and I've got my health and I've retired at the top. But um, Could- if Jamie fancies a tear up any time. I would get in that ring with you in a heartbeat. I'd dip, I'd dive, I'd duck, and uppercut. You wouldn't see we what's coming. Have, we should have a charity match. I would absolutely destroy you. I, I would tie one arm behind my back for you. <laughs> okay, I'll knock you out. I'll knock <laughs> you out. I can't be knocked out. Like, it's impossible. I, you can't, you've been, been knocked I've down. I've never been knocked out in my life by anybody other than a, an anesthesian. You, even in the pubs, you've never been knocked out? Ever. I've been knocked down twice in my career. Once by Jermaine Taylor in round three and once by George Groves in round one. I got up to win both fights. Can we Can't talk? Test the cobra's chin. <laughs> the, the, co- the cobra as well. God, what a stupid name. The cobra's chin. <laughs> Cobras don't even have fucking chins. <laughs> it's literally ridiculous. Can we yeah, talk about do. the? Do they have chins? I don't know. Can we talk about the? Is it the Jermaine fight? What is? Because you had some un and you know, growing up as a boxing fan, watching your fights and for any, I think any you know, British boxing fan or just any boxing fan in general, they used to love yours because it was just the passion, the pride and the energy behind it all. Was it the Jermaine fight where you came back in the last 14 seconds? Jermaine Taylor, yes. I got put down in round three for the first time in my career. Um, it was my first world title defence, WBC world title. I won that off Jean Pascal in December 2008. And then I went over to America to defend my title against the former undisputed middleweight world champion, Jermaine Taylor. Bad intentions, Jermaine Taylor. And he was too quick. It was too fast for me. He hit me with a right hand in round three. I didn't see it coming. It put me down. I was knocked out. I was on the floor thinking, where am I? What's going on? And um, I managed to get to my feet. And the bell went about five seconds later, which kind of did me a favor. I went back to my corner at the end of round three and um, took my instructions off my coach, Rob McCracken, who now coaches Anthony Joshua. And I just kept kept plugging along in round four or five, kept jabbing, moving, used my boxing ability that I won I won various medals for England with and two ABA titles, you know, because people think that I'd just stand and have a fight and I would just want to tear up and I'm really tough and I can take a punch. But I can actually box. I can use my jab and box and move. And I had to do that with Jermaine Taylor. But going into the last round, I was behind on all three of the judges' scorecards. We kind of knew we was behind. I knew I was losing. I knew that if I didn't stop him and knock him out, then I was going to lose my world title belt. But yeah, yeah. you're right. 14 seconds to go in the last round, I managed to produce an unanswered barrage of punches, 18 punches unanswered. I just knocked him down as well and he got up. And um, yeah, I forced the stoppage. I forced the referee to jump in just as the towel came in. Actually, his corner was pulling him out of the fight as the referee jumped in because I was absolutely hammering him. You can have a look at that on my Instagram. Yeah. <laughs> and that was my first world title defense overseas against a top American. And yeah, that, I mean... That picture in the background is the picture from the fight, and you can see how happy I am. Let me show it to you here. Yeah, sure. Yeah, everybody, mate, Francis, have you ever seen this? Have you? Ed, seen it. There that's it's the, that's oh, the brilliant. 
You're looking nice. a little bit overweight there. You're looking a little bit. <laughs> you're looking a little bit podge there, mate. The thing is that fight. If you, if any of our listeners go and check it out on YouTube, it is unbelievable because it's that moment going to the last round. You know you have to knock him out to win. You have to knock him out. That's the only way to win it. It's the only oh. thing you have to do. And and you get to that point where you knock him down once, and you can see that you're exhausted. You, mm. But you're just going to have to keep going. What does what did your coach say to you going into the last round? Does he just go? You just go. You fucking got to do this. What does he say? What, what does he McCracken, say to you? He never gets too animated, Rob McCracken. He's, he's, he's very methodical in his work and his advice. But if he says to me, right, you need to step it up now. You've got to step on the gas. You need to pick it up. You need to pull it on him. That's enough for me to realise that actually I've got to go out there and do it. If he said to me, you've got to go and knock him out, go and knock him out, just throw everything at him, that'd be bad advice because I'd be swinging away, missing, loading up, and I'd probably walk into a shot. He just told me to step on the gas, but we was doing that in round 10 and round 11. I was getting to him. I could see he was folding. But in the last round, it was my job to make sure I didn't smother my work. I didn't, I didn't throw too many punches and miss too many and leave my chin in the air because Jermaine Taylor is a very good counterpuncher. It was all about just keeping cool and composed and keep backing him up and keep the pressure on him. I mean, he could have held on. That last barrage of punches I stopped him with where the ref jumped in, he could have actually grabbed hold of me because you're allowed to do that in boxing. You can grab and hold and the ref will then make you break. If he'd have done that, he would have survived to the final ball and he would have won on points. And to his credit, he was interviewed later um, after the fight in, in the coming weeks and he said, I can't win like that. I'm, that's yeah. not how I'm going to go out. And you know, fair play to him. He stood there and he tried to fight back, and he tried to he tried to be a warrior. He kept he his honor. Exactly, he kept his honor. The code, but the then, so, the so then, when when you got knocked down in the third round, the first time in your in your career, that mm. must have been, uh, you know, you you were just sort of saved by the bell in a sense. That must have been been sort of psychologically quite. Well, that was a massive din. I was really uh, yeah. dejected and I, I was on the floor and I seat in my pants thinking, bloody hell. I mean, Jermaine Taylor was very quick and he punched very hard and I went back to my corner and then then it's Rob McCracken's job, my coach, to to make sure that I go out for round four feeling confident and feeling comfortable. So he told me I made a mistake, told me what I did wrong and I did. I tried to throw an uppercut from out of range. I left my chin in the air. Similar to when George Gross put me down in round one in Manchester in our first fight, I made a mistake. I gave him an easy shot. So you just got to not make the same mistake again. But um, you've just got to be tough. You've got to believe in yourself and you have to, you know, you just have to keep going. I refuse to quit. You'll never, ever see me quit. Yeah. Jamie Lang learned that when we was on the Ergo machine, on the row machine. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and to be fair to him, he stuck with it. Some people quit. Some people don't like to... Have they don't to have the fighting spirit. You know. They've just not got it in there. And it's something that you can't teach. You've either got it or you haven't. And you know, but what, luckily what, for me, I was it? in the correct sport. Yeah, what's it? But I just think that's also just a great metaphor for life as well. I think a lot of people in life just quit quite easily on things, and actually it's most, about the persistency most, and just keep going definitely. and going. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. What is it when you get put down like that? And you're, is it you know like the cartoons? You're seeing stars. You don't know where you are. You kind of have to get back up again. What does it feel like? There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... 
Alright, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month and six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Yeah, well, the first fight when I got put down by Jermaine Taylor, I kind of there was a blackout, a moment, momentary loss of consciousness. So you know, you get punched in the brain, and neurologically, you, your brain sends a signal down your central nervous system, and you you become like a, like you just took the batteries out of something. You just switched off, so you're asleep, effectively. Split second, you're so asleep. So you have some been people, knocked out. So you have been knocked out. Some people well, for a split second. You so, you've been knocked out. All right, you've been <laughs> yeah, knocked yeah. out. Yeah, but I got <laughs> okay. home to win. So. Then when you wake up, it's how you respond, how your body responds. So somebody like Amir Khan, for example, he doesn't really recover. He's all over the shop. His legs are like Bambi, like, you know, like a, yeah. like a, like a baby deer. And, but, but me, I stay strong. I'm fit. And I just recover very quick. And, um, yeah, you can't really train that. You can't train the chin. You can't put muscle on a jaw. Well, you but, can't, uh, can't. I suppose you can't train how your central nervous system is going to respond to being no, knocked out like that. Some people are sensitive to getting punched in the chin and, and getting knocked out. I can take a punch, but even the best of us, even me, I mean, I've been knocked down. The best chin in the business is the one that doesn't get hit, you know, move out of the way, block the shot. Is it but a similar thing so like in in jujitsu if you choke someone to sleep they get it's much easier to choke them to sleep uh going forward right if you get knocked if you get choked unconscious it's easier to be choked unconscious going going forward for some reason or whatever reason is it the same with boxing like if you've been knocked out once it's easier to be knocked out during that fight yes because you've you've already been clipped and you sort of you're running on empty then you're ready to be knocked you see people get knocked down and get up and then you can see every time they get hit there and they're wobbling all over the place and they're ready to go and the referee will jump in but it's it it doesn't have a long lasting effect i don't think unless you take so many punches and you concuss Mm. because concussion isn't good for you they've proven that recently they've they've done a documentary on on the effects of i mean even footballers heading a football apparently dangerous and concussion's not not a good thing but you know, I'm doing all right. And one of the reasons I retired when I did is because I thought to myself, you know, I've earned enough money to, to, to sustain a, a good future for me and my kids moving forward. I've got four world titles. My last fight was in front of, I'm going to say, I'm going to drop the number. My last fight was in front of 80,000 fans at Wembley Stadium. Wow. And it doesn't get much better than that. So I left the sport on the crest of a wave with nothing left to prove. And that's yeah. why I retired. You know, my next fight, I could have I could have made a lot of money and I could have gone on to do more. But I just thought that would do me. I've got, I've got yeah. three children. Young. Do, you, do you miss it? Do you not miss, miss it? it? Yeah, I miss it. I but do, what do you I'm miss about it? What do you miss about? Do you miss about the the training? Do you miss about the walking in the ring? Do you miss about the winning? What do you miss about it the most? The training, I don't particularly miss that much. Even though I still keep myself in shape and I still train a lot, as you can see, and as you found out, um, the training's hard. And as you get older, you get slow, and your injuries last longer. I've had five operations actually during my career, and it's you know it's not good. To, to keep going under the knife and having operations. It's all that plastic body. surgery what, you had. What was the main It's all, the, all the, main the plastic one. surgery. <laughs> he's had a nose job and he's rest, had like a chin rest, lift. Septorhinoplasty. <laughs> that's why that's straight. Look. Have you ever seen, you ever seen any pictures of my old nose? 
No. It looked like a, looked like a pork chop. He's had a nose job. He's a, he had a nose job. What are you laughing at? What, why is that funny? Jamie, you, you've basically had everything you could get done. <laughs> Fillers, a hair transplant. I've had, I've, had, I've had two hand operations. I, I smashed my hand to bits in two fights. I'd, my hand had to be operated on to be fixed up. Um, I've had various cortisones in my elbows. I've had an ACL reconstruction in my right knee, anterior cruciate ligament reconstruction. Um, and I've had various um, steroid injections around my body. So um, as I got older and I, you know, the injuries take longer to heal the older you get. Fitness is your ability to recover. And as you get older, the ability to recover, to recover takes longer. So I got to the point where just to get through a 12-week training camp was far, far harder than the boxing match. If I could box and just fight, turn up to the fight and fight, I'd still be boxing now. But unfortunately, in yeah. boxing, a bad loss in boxing is not like football or tennis. You don't lose yeah. 5-0 or three sets to love. You go to the hospital. Yeah, the stakes are, stakes yeah. are higher. Yeah. So the risk-reward the risk is too much. And when you've earned enough money, get out of the top and don't be greedy. That's, that's but my what, life. Yeah, but what do you miss? What do you miss most? What is, what... I, miss, I miss winning the fight or being in... I miss being involved in the fight. When I watched Mikel Kester in the rematch at the O2, um, there was only twenty thousand there, not eighty. How many? The, the noise. Twenty thousand. The noise. The noise of the. Crowd. So you didn't just quickly. You didn't fill it. So no, it was full. <laughs> there was there was outside. There was shut up anyway. I'm trying to get into something here. <laughs> so the noise of the crowd when you're landing punches. So you're landing shots and the crowd cheer and you can hear the crowd. You can feel the energy as you're throwing punches and you get hit back. A punch then lands on your chin and all ooh, all the alls and ahs are coming. You know you know you're hurt you know you've got to stay on your feet so the heat of the battle as a fighter i absolutely love that and i miss it but more so than that when it's all over the feeling of relief i haven't got to train anymore three times a day now for 12 weeks i get i get three or four weeks off um and the fact that you've still got your world title and everyone congratulating you and you're doing all these interviews in the paper and you get paid well you know and you just you just feel like a rock star for that period of time and, and for the weeks and months following. But then you have to get back to reality, get back in the gym and defend your title again. Um, so when I retired, I was ready to retire because I kind of fell out of love with the sport because of my injuries and because I've done what I've done and because I've got young children who I love so much. I want to make sure I'm there for them. Um, but I still miss, I still do miss the ring walk. I miss being in the fight, the heat of the battle. I love a good scrap. The adrenaline, yeah. The adrenaline is amazing. I mean, I do stupid things now to get my adrenaline um, or and poker gives me a little bit of an adrenaline rush when I'm in a good hand and I've got a big hand and I want somebody to fold because I'm yeah, on a yeah. bluff. Yeah. And your heart's going thinking fold, 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 but not as much as, as doing but, 110 mile an hour on my sports bike. I no, guess sorry, 70 mile an hour tops on my sports bike. That 110 gives me a bit of an miles an hour, I was, about to say, I was about to say 110 miles an hour on your but sport it's bike. It's dangerous. It's dangerous. Yeah. So. But, but there is, cause there's that amazing moment when, you know, and the, the big talking point with you always is, is George Groves and, and the battle that you guys had and the conversation. Well, that was my last fight. And that, that was, was your last fight. Kind of transcended, it crossed me over to a mainstream. Like you talked about the Jermaine Taylor fight earlier. Yeah. That was in America and that wasn't shown on British TV until Sunday afternoon with adverts between each round because my promoter didn't secure a TV deal. So you've got a British fighter going over to America, fighting the best American in the weight division at the time. And it's not shown on British television because I never had the backing of the British public. Oh, God. It wasn't until I came back until after the Super 6 that I was involved in the American tournament and I boxed Lucian Butte in Nottingham, won my IBF title. Then I defended against Kessler in the rematch on pay-per-view on Sky. That's when people are like, oh, where's this kid come from? Where's, where's Carl Froch been for the last 10 years? Well, 
I've, I've been champion, I'm British champion, world champion, but not many people saw me. And then the Groves won fight in Manchester and the rematch at Wembley Stadium. Oh. Then all of a sudden, everybody's getting into the sport and starting to, to realise who I am. But it's the end of my career. I've retired. Uh, yeah. and, uh, and, and, and so with George Groves, did you guys really actually despise each other as absolutely much? Absolutely. As... Couldn't stand him. I couldn't stand it. And have you have you have you made up now? Yeah, but it took five years. Really? It took five years. Yeah. I mean, I used to spar with him. He used to help me out sparring when he first turned professional. I was British champion, and I found him quite easy to spar. But he's fast. He's strong. He was ambitious. He was a top amateur himself. And I made the mistake in the first fight of thinking that he was going to be this easy sparring partner. So I didn't train properly for the first fight. But actually, he's really strong. He's fast. He developed as a professional, and he gave me a really really hard fight in the first one. I took him lightly and nearly paid the price. I nearly got beat. Um, but in the rematch at Wembley Stadium, in front of 80,000 fans, I made <laughs> there sure... Is. I knew I it was coming. Sure, I made sure that I was fit and I did all my hard work and training and sparring. I got in there and I absolutely ironed him out. Mate, that I, I watched that punch before I came onto the Zoom. You, It was like eighth, ninth round, yeah. wasn't it? And it you was just a, It was a heavy shot. And you went, but isn't it amazing that you can say that in your life you drew 80,000 people to a fight? Yeah, 80, I mean, that, you, that, that's what you feel, It's a mate. big number. People, people say, always oh, say that again, he's telling someone 80,000. It's a bit of a running joke now, like the Irishman walked in a, into a bar. But why not? I'm proud of the fact that I've yeah. yeah. the stadium. And Anthony Joshua now has picked up from where I left off. I kind of, I was the catalyst for pay-per-view pay back on Sky and for Wembley fights happening. They weren't happening before me. Yeah. I, I, that was the biggest crowd post-war for wow. British boxing. And I was part of that with George Groves. We did that. And Eddie Hearn, my promoter at Matchroom, we should all be proud of that. And we should we should, yeah, you should. on the rooftop. Because it's you know amazing I mean? that moment where Eddie Hearn gets in the ring and he's like, he's cheering as well and you're being lifted up. That moment. Do you still remember that moment in you? You're just like, is that, that moment must stick with you, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, the, the, the one at Wembley, it was my brother picking me up. The one where Eddie Hearn ran in the ring and picked me up. The fight was actually still officially on. That was when I boxed Lucian Butte. <laughs> And I could have been disqualified. I could have been disqualified for him doing that. But he managed to sneak out the ring before the ref saw him. Oh, my God. Um, but no, I can remember when, when, like, when Eddie gets in and picks me up, when my brother jumps in and picks me up. You can remember it vividly. Because yeah. you've just won and the fight's over and you didn't know if he was going to win or lose and it was tough and everything's hurting. I mean, I boxed with broken ribs and broken, broken hands and I've had a broken uh. nose and a big cut in round two and three and I'm still fighting in round 11. So when it's over... You're quite happy about it. <laughs> You're just yeah. that's just making up excuses now. Hey, listen, go. Uh, we we we've taken up far too much of your time, Francis. We need to have the answer to the question of the week, buddy. So the answer to the question of the week is Henry Armstrong. Who? Who's that? Who the hell's that? Do you not know who Henry Armstrong is? <laughs> no, no one knows I who Henry. Say Henry Cooper then, but he was a heavyweight. He made eighteen defenses from bet between November nineteen thirty-eight to nineteen fourteen of his um, uh, welterweight title. Who Have a Google of him. You, you, uh, Francis boxing. does. Yeah, I set the questions. Why would you set a question like that? What's wrong with you? <laughs> <laughs> hey, look, they're not always the the such best a, questions. That's such know. an anticlimax. I was really, I really enjoyed the podcast. But I really got into it. I can't wait to listen to it back. Hey, sometimes, it's, hey, look, that's sometimes that's just the way it goes, Carl. Great, Carl. Listen, um, honestly, buddy, uh, I joke. To all jokes aside, you're a, you're a true gent and a, and, a, and a legend. In, in, I appreciate that. You, really you are yeah. an absolute legend, mate. Go and follow Carl on Instagram. It's stupid that Carl the Cobra Froch. Um, also, go and check out your podcast, which is called Froch on Fighting. Have yeah. a, give it a listen. We have a laugh on that as well. 
if you is it all types of fighting or just boxing all types of fighting we talk about when i've ironed a few people out in the pubs that i grew up in there's a few people walking around there now with jaws that don't quite sit straight yeah they can they can they can say proudly that they got knocked out by the cobra yeah. Oh my god, the Cobra, ridiculous name! I can't believe you, you went your whole career. That's why no one in the UK knew you because you called the fucking Cobra. I'm not. Go- I don't even know why I'm laughing. You're out of order. Come, mate. Honestly, thank you so much. Listen, what we yeah, like to do at the end of the, we what we like to do at the end of the podcast is leave yeah, our well. listeners with something inspirational. You have to give them an inspirational quote. Inspirational quotes. Yeah, anything you want. Um, well, there's lots of different quotes, isn't there? You know, oh, don't don't ramble. Just make it short and succinct. <laughs> Well, I like I like the quote that um, winners never quit, and quitters never win, um, and that could be found somewhere else. Someone else said that, but throughout my whole career, I thought it was one of the things that stood out from my from my career as a world champion, as a reigning world champion. The fact that I refused to quit was the reason that I reigned for so long and came back after I got beat uh, because of that refusal to actually give up. Never give up on your hopes and dreams ever because anything is possible. Mate, I love it. Honestly, I appreciate it, buddy. Thank you, everyone. See you next week. Bye-bye. Thanks, Carl.